as we just find our seats, shall we just pray? Holy Spirit, come fill our hearts, we pray you minister to each and every one of us here. And as we think about uh, the power that you offer us in the Holy Spirit, we pray that you come in power. Show your power, O Lord our God. We want to see you move. Amen. So I wonder what it is that you think of uh, when you think of power. Maybe when you hear the word power, you think of political power. Maybe you think of the party you really wish was in power, or the party you really wish wasn't in power, or the person you wish was in power, the person you wish wasn't in power. Maybe you think of political power, the power to change things. Maybe you think of uh, the waves you see whenever there's a storm and the BBC puts up their coast cam and you can see the power of the waves that are hitting the coast. Or maybe you think of those Duracell Bunny adverts where they promise if you use uh, their batteries, your uh, battery-powered screwdriver will be twice as powerful as your neighbour's. Or maybe uh, you're planning on watching the Super Bowl uh, tonight uh, and you think about the power rankings, the, the weekly assessments of relative strength and performance of the NFL teams or, or the fact that the stadium tonight will be run on 100% renewable power. Or maybe more mundanely, you just think of the time you forgot to charge your phone overnight and ended up running out of power just at the point where you really needed to use Google Maps. Maybe you're a Marvel fan, and you think of the special powers you really wish you could have, and that those heroes all have, and I wonder which one of those powers, special powers, you would choose. And these are all types of relatively nice types of power. And we're thinking about power today, specifically, though, the power that Jesus gives. So if you've got your Bibles with you, your phones with you, uh, do turn to Acts chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at verses 6 to 8. And these verses go. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But, and this bit is a bit we're going to be focusing on this evening, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus, when he says these words, is in his last days on earth with his disciples. And they ask him a question. When will you restore uh, the kingdom to Israel? Now, if I'd asked that question, if I'd been there as one of Jesus' disciples, and I'd asked that question, I think I'd have been quite disappointed uh, with Jesus' answer. Like, as a child, did you ever ask your parents or a teacher a question only to be responded to, well, it depends, or, or what do you think? I always find it so annoying. I still do. But Jesus doesn't quite do that. But he does say, it's not for you to know. Not only that, but you've got no power over it. It's the Father and the Father alone who has the power for that, who knows that. He has the authority and power to determine the making, the restoration of kingdoms. But Jesus doesn't stop there. But. It's not for you to know this, but. But. And here's the bit you do need to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
Now, this reply, uh, the New Bible, commentary, uh, New Bible Commentary suggests that this reply uh, is Jesus essentially saying, discipleship is not about knowing the times and the dates, but it's about being ready. And in Acts, this means receiving the Holy Spirit's power and being witnesses. Being ready, as, as we're a disciple, being a disciple who is ready means receiving the Holy Spirit's power and being witnesses to Jesus. This is what it means to be ready for all God has planned, for all God has foreknowledge of. So what questions do you have of God? Which questions? We were, I was doing Alpha the other day uh, over in Livingston, and one of the questions uh, that Laurie asked as he led was, what question would you ask Jesus? What question would you ask God? What question do you have of God? Whether God has an answer for you for now or not, we can be ready. And we can be ready by receiving the Holy Spirit's power and then witnessing to the good news. But what does it mean to be ready without all the answers to our big questions and even some of the biggest questions? Maybe uh, when you think about the big questions, your question is why did God let this happen? Why is there suffering in the world? Maybe you have a question about what this or that Bible passage actually means. Maybe you want to know the exact details of how the world came into existence. Maybe you just can't get your head around the question of how miracles actually take place and confound science. What mechanism do they work by? Or maybe you don't know how something could come out of nothing and you wonder how on earth God could just always have existed. Or maybe you want to know what the new heaven and new earth will be like specifically. Maybe you wonder how God will make sure there's no more pain or tears or suffering in heaven without taking away our free will. Or maybe even you ask, what possessed the referee and the TMO not to give that obvious try to Scotland at the end of the game yesterday? We may get the answers to some of these things. We may not get answers uh, to others. But whatever we know or we don't know in answer to these questions, Jesus calls us to be ready for whatever may come, filled with his spirit, ready as disciples. Being ready doesn't mean not caring about these questions necessarily, but it means leaving these big questions with God and trusting him even when we don't know all the answers, even when we don't need to know all the answers, trusting that we know enough in Jesus and he has everything in control. And note, trusting that the God who knows all these things gives us his power, his spirit, whilst we wait. This God who knows all things offers us his spirit and his power whilst we wait. Now, I listed a lot of uses of power at the start of the talk, but the truth is, whilst power can be a good, fun thing, it can also be a bad thing. Abraham Lincoln basically suggested if someone is giving power, you'll know the person's true character. And often we see this negatively, and across history we'll see so many examples of this power being used badly. Most of us will have heard the saying as well, power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And it won't take long for any of us to come up with examples of times where power has been used in awful ways. 
That was a far cry from some of the examples we might think of. I can think of a time where I was in a position with relatively little power, and someone else with more power was able to make my life rather miserable, and I really struggled to hold it together. This person's power meant I felt unloved, uncared for, and pretty hopeless. And then it had bigger impacts. It impacted my health, physically, mentally, impacted my relationships with others. And at times, it could even feel like it impacted my faith. It was tough. So power can be used badly. But this is not the power Jesus is speaking to his disciples about. This isn't how power is meant or made to be used. This kind of use of power is not uh, being ready for whatever may come already in Christ. When Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, Jesus is speaking about true power. True power in contrast to the way we so often see it manifest itself, manipulate itself way into this world. Simon Ponsibly suggests, when we meet the Spirit, we meet God present in person, in power. And God's power, the Spirit present in power, God's power, the Spirit present in power, is wed to his love. God's power this power that we will receive when the Holy Spirit comes on us is loving power. Ponsonby goes on to say, God's power is not corrupt or abusive, but is creative, correcting, and renewing. Love is always the presupposition of the exercise of divine power. As he speaks uh, about power and love, Ponsonby refers to Psalm 63 where it says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. As David seeks God earnestly, he beholds God's power. And as he beholds God's power, because God's love is better than life, he declares he will glorify God. David links seeing God's power with experiencing his love, love that's better than life itself. So this, I think, is the first facet I want us all to know about this power that disciples receive, that we are offered in the Holy Spirit to receive. It's inextricably linked, wed, to love. So secondly... Let's look at the word that's used uh, in the Greek for power. The word that is used for power is, uh, in this particular case, is dunamin, which, uh, in fact, that's the word where we get the word dynamite from. This power is dynamite, you might say. It's got some serious power behind it. It's explosive. This word, the word dunamis, is used across the New Testament, in particular when referring to mighty works, to miracles. For example, when the woman touched Jesus' cloak and Jesus' power went out of him, this word is used. Jesus said he felt his dunamis, he felt his power go out of him. And across Acts, so in Acts 2, verse 22, uh, it says, Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, dunamesi, wonders and signs. Acts 4, 7, they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them by what power, by what Dunamé, or what name do you do this? That is, heal a lame man. Acts 6, 7. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, Dunameos, performed great wonders and signs among the people. 
Acts 8.10. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles during a maze he saw. So I could go on, but I think you get the picture. This word, this power, is miraculous. It's great. It's wondrous. Barrett summarizes this by saying the nine uses of this word not in today's passage uh, in Acts of these three directly relate to miracles, three to power involved in miracles, and two to power used for preaching and miracles, and the last one referring to Simon's sorcery before converting. This power is love, yes, but it's also miraculous. It is mighty. It is enabling of mighty works. It is power where we see the gifts of the Spirit manifested. It's miraculous, loving power. A power that ultimately reveals the good news of the kingdom of God. When you know you've got something uh, that can make a real impact, you say, you know this is dynamite. Well, I could say the same to those of you who are filled with the Spirit. You know this is absolute dynamite. But there's more. Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. This power, in addition to empowering love and miracles, empowers witness. The witnesses are witnesses because they witnessed something. They saw something that they're able to recount to others so they too may know. We know Jesus And this power of the Holy Spirit we know as well, and it empowers us to witness to others to this. Just as we saw in those disciples uh, after they're filled with the Holy Spirit in Pentecost. They become heralds of truth, willing to witness even when it's to their own detriment. This Holy Spirit brings incredible loving power, but also comes with the expectation that witness also comes. So where are the disciples at now? They came to Jesus with a big question. Jesus didn't answer the question, but essentially told them to be ready, to be ready by receiving the Holy Spirit and his power, this miraculous loving power, a power to go and witness, to share what they'd seen of Jesus with others. So even when they still have questions, Jesus is empowering them, loving them, and using them to work miracles and to witness to him, to be love to others, you could even say, even in the midst of their own questions. And God can still use you and me in the midst of our big questions. You might not get an answer here and now, but so long as you are trusting in him and filled with his spirit, you're ready to be love to others, to be his disciple. What is it Jesus is saying to you now to leave with him? And as you leave your questions with him, know he leaves you with that deposit, the Holy Spirit, with incredible power for great witness. But there's still more. The passage says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So let's think about this. Jerusalem, all Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth. 
I think each of these steps, each of these progressions is just that. It's a step further afield. It's a step into the less comfortable. Jerusalem. Okay, Jerusalem. This is where they were as Jesus spoke to his disciples in our passage today. He said just before uh, the passage today, he said to the disciples, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So they were in Jerusalem. They were called not to leave Jerusalem until they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. But then they're called to go out as witnesses in Jerusalem. So these disciples, they may well have been a bit insecure in Jerusalem, but they knew it. It's where they were. It was on their doorstep. It would be one of the most convenient places for them to have been witnesses. Also, I'm sure uh, many people will have heard about Jesus' death, will have heard about the empty tomb, and so maybe it wouldn't be the hardest place to be a witness. Possibly not easy either, but it's on their doorstep and could have been a lot harder. Then Judea. So Judea would have been a big place to walk around. It would have been mountainous, and parts of it are, are desert. And witnessing there would have involved much less convenience, I think, for the disciples. This is an expansion, therefore, of where they're to go. They can't just do Jerusalem and then go home and say, I've done my job, done my bit. They're called into continuing witness that will come with a physical price, which will take effort on their part. Then Samaria. So Samaria is north of Judea, but clearly adding it onto Judea creates an even bigger geographical region to witness to. So just physically and effort-wise, that's harder. But it also adds in witnessing to the Samaritans. It means the witnesses need to trans transcend ethnicities. And with Samaritans, even witness to people people really don't like and want to stigmatize those disciples until they've met Jesus. And maybe even after meeting Jesus, they probably wouldn't have naturally chosen to witness to the Samaritans to share good news and hope of salvation with them. And then it goes to all the ends of the earth. So if Judea and Samaria didn't get the point across, even to the ends of the earth, which, if you look across the book of Acts, could easily be seen to meaning even to Rome, even to the depths of the enemy's lands, the occupier's lands, places you'd never dare to go. So Jerusalem is on your doorstep, minimal effort, Judea is nearby, difficult terrain, so it will take a bit of effort. Samaria is like Judea, but involves challenging your prejudices and the ends of the earth. Maybe just those who you simply hate, you need to go and witness to. In other words, discipleship won't always be easy and will involve a cost. It will involve doing things in places and interacting with people you'd never normally have chosen to interact with, rightly or wrongly. So I want to ask you, I want to ask all of us here this evening, where is your Jerusalem? Where is your Judea? Where is your Samaria? And where is your end of the world? As we follow Jesus... Before we witness, we need to wait to be filled with the Spirit. And if you haven't been, uh, we're going to have a chance to pray for this later. As you remain in your Jerusalem, 
and wait for him to, uh, to fill you with his miraculous loving power. If you have been, uh, if you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, what's your Judea? Where would it take you a bit of extra effort to witness to? Somewhere that's not just on your doorstep. Where is your Samaria? What is your Samaria? Where could Jesus be calling you to witness that challenges your prejudices, places you'd never usually choose to go because it's just not what you do? And what's your end of the earth? The place and people, if you were to admit it, who maybe revolt you, maybe who you'd struggle to ever invite into heaven through Jesus, the people at school, maybe who bullied you, the people you just thought, I can't, don't possibly want them to see them when I get to heaven. This is my thing. Where do we not want to go because it would be difficult? Where do we not want to go because people aren't like us or even because we look down on them? Where do we not want to go because of hatred in our heart? Now, I'm a Leicester Tigers fan. So naturally, uh, the easiest place for me to watch them and support them was on the TV at home. Uh, that was my Jerusalem. But I lived near, when I grew up, I lived near to Leicester. Uh, so I'd, I'd get the train in, uh, and country trains in the Midlands were always busy before the rugby and infrequent. Uh, so my Judea was probably the Tigers stadium. It was relatively easy for me to be a supporter, but it took me a bit of effort. Not too far down the road, though, Northampton Saints, the local derby. Gosh, it took a bit of effort to get there, and to be honest, I always found the Saints fans rather annoying. <laughs> but I went to share the good news that they could always become a Leicester fan. <laughs> then where would I be called to go? Where did I hold hatred in my heart? Well, fortunately, I saw the light, but, and it doesn't hold true for me anymore. But for most rugby fans, the place they would go to be called to share the good news of being a Leicester Tigers rugby fan would be the local football team. Where do we not want to go? Because it would be difficult. Where do we not want to go because people aren't like us? Or even because we look down on them? Where do we not want to go because of hatred in our hearts? I'm just going to invite the band up now. And as they come up, let's just remind ourselves of what we've been thinking about. As we look to be Jesus' disciples, we can come with questions. But in response, Jesus calls us to be ready. Ready as disciples. Ready by receiving the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's power. Miraculous, loving power. And the power to go and witness, to share what we've seen of Jesus with others. So whatever questions uh, you have, whatever questions you come with, whatever questions we still have, Jesus still empowers us through his Holy Spirit. He still loves us and uses us to work miracles and to be witnesses for him, to share the gospel, to build his kingdom here on earth, to be his hands and his feet, to be love to others. Even in the midst of our own questions, we don't have to have everything sorted out for God to want us uh, on his side uh, working for him. 
We might not get an answer here and now to our questions, but so long as we're trusting him, so long as we're filled by his spirit, we're ready to be love to others, to be Jesus' disciple. So if we ask the question, what is it Jesus is saying to you to leave with him? What question would it be that you're being told to leave with Jesus? Jesus tells us to leave our questions with him, to trust him with them. Know he leaves us, and know as we leave our questions with him, our uncertainties, the things we just don't know and may never know, as we do that, as we leave it with him, we know he leaves us with his Holy Spirit, with incredible power and a great witness. And once we're filled with the Holy Spirit, where does Jesus call us to go as witnesses? Where is your Jerusalem? What is that place that's on the doorstep that takes minimal effort to be witnesses in? Or maybe you're being challenged to go to Judea. You've been in your Jerusalem, you're being challenged to go to Judea. It's nearby, but it's difficult terrain. It will take some effort. You maybe need to step out of your comfort zone a little bit. But it's still kind of home territory-ish for you. Or maybe you're being challenged to go beyond that now. You've been there, and God's calling you into Samaria, which is like Judea, but God wants to challenge your prejudices. Or maybe you've been there, and you're being called to witness to the ends of the earth. God's calling you to witness to those you just really struggle to witness to. You can't possibly imagine uh, could ever get to heaven no matter what happens, that you wouldn't want to see there. That you just think, how could God have grace for them? Where do you need the power of the Holy Spirit to enable you and empower you to go and make more disciples, to witness about Jesus and to share the good news? So as we're able, why don't we stand? Uh, maybe if the band starts to play. A ministry team, if, a ministry team, if you uh, head through next door in just a minute, there'll be ministry uh, next door. If you're here now, uh, this evening, and you're wanting to be filled with the Holy Spirit, whether for the first time or afresh, this spirit of power, this dynamite power, but also a power intrinsically of divine love, we'd love to pray for you through in the lounge. If you want to be filled afresh, or if you want to be filled for the first time, why not go next door to the ministry team? They'd love to pray for you to be filled with this loving, miraculous power. Maybe you have been filled by the Holy Spirit, but you have questions, and you're struggling to leave these questions with God as you trust them to Him. Ministry team would love to pray for you uh, for this in the lounge, that you're just able to let go of those questions and leave them with God and accept His Holy Spirit's replenishment. Just let the ministry team know that's what you want prayer for. And finally, maybe as we've thought about the places God might be calling us to go to be witnesses to him, maybe there's places we really don't want to go, whether because it's a fear, prejudice, or even hatred we hold in our hearts. Maybe something's come to your mind and you want to move in total trust of God and ask God to remove that for you, his power to remove that from you so you may go out and witness in his power in the places where you might be absolutely terrified or might have emotional meltdowns because of what's going on and how you associate with those people. But God calls us to witness 
to everyone, even to the ends of the earth, even to the kingdom who's oppressed us, the kingdom who has uh, persecuted us, those who uh, push us down. And we'd love to pray for you. If this is you, we'd love to pray for you who are in the lounge too. Just let them know that's what you want prayer for. So uh, before the band, uh, we start to sing together before we head through uh, for ministry, why don't we pray? Holy Spirit, come. Come in power. We want you to show your power to us. We thank you that you show us what power really is. Thank you that you've redeemed that gift of power, that creative power. Thank you that love is inextricably linked with the exercise of divine power. We thank you that your power makes a difference. We thank you that it's dynamite. We thank you that it can change lives. We thank you that it can challenge what we can understand. We thank you that you offer that power to be inside of us. And as we have questions, we pray we're just able to leave them with you and allow your Holy Spirit to move powerfully in us. And Holy Spirit, Jesus, we know you call us to go to all the world to share the good news, to be witnesses. We know the difference you've made to our lives. And we pray you help us. We pray you help us to go to witness in Jerusalem on our doorstep, to witness in Judea where it takes effort, to witness in Samaria and challenge our prejudices, to witness to all the ends of the earth, even to those we feel like hating. So Holy Spirit, come. Refill us with your power. Make us to be more like Christ knowing in Christ we can do all things through him who gives us strength. So come in power, Lord. Show your power. Amen.